to Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot, and today I'm in Los Angeles, California at CXC Simulations with Chris Considine, CEO. What's going on, Chris? Hey, how's it going? Doing great. Appreciate you uh, having me over today. My pleasure. My pleasure. So this place is uh, is pretty amazing. I, I remember seeing some photos when I think you guys had like a grand opening or something here, maybe last fall. Um and saw some photos from that and was like, man, I got to get over there. And now finally, finally, I'm able to. Yeah, yeah. Last fall, that would have been probably one of our VR parties. Okay. Uh, we do kind of like a, a VR networking party with uh, Project Cars, actually. Okay, awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember I, I saw a couple people, uh, like media people that were here. Yep. And uh, I, I just got so jealous. I Unfortunately, I had to work. Um, <laughs> but I was like, man, I want to go over there someday, so... I appreciate you uh, inviting me over today and uh, checking everything out. So, uh, for the for the listeners that uh, don't quite know, uh, can you fill us in on on what CXC Simulations is? Sure, we make uh, high performance racing simulators for professional race car drivers and teams to use as a, a training tool. Essentially, um, we also make flight simulators as well, kind of along the same lines. Um, but our bread and butter is the racing industry. Um, we also make some simulators for uh, entertainment use and commercial use as well, but by far our, our core audience is uh, pro training. Okay, awesome. How long have you guys been around for? Uh, we've been in production for over 10 years now. Oh, wow. Um, and many years before that, we were prototyping and kind of getting ready for that. Okay. So how, how did all of this uh, kind of come about? I mean, it's a, it's a very complex system, and, and talking to you, you know, you're always making constant improvements. But where did you where did you get your start from? I came from the motorsport industry. Um, my father was a motorsports journalist uh, and a and oh, really? race car driver himself almost okay. all his life. Huh. Um, so I was exposed to racing at a very young age, and you know I had those uh, race car driver stars in my eyes uh, from about the age of five when I started karting. Um, so I was lucky in the sense that I was, um, kind of exposed to the, the high, you know, level of racing from, from a very young age. And, and I, I started karting, um, I immediately went the open wheel route. Um, so, you know, I did the, the standard things. I went formula Ford, formula Mazda. Um, I later became an instructor and worked at the Bondurant school for a long time. Um, and you know, Along the way, I had that realization that, wow, this is insanely expensive to do, <laughs> right? And, you know, like any sport, um, the more you practice, the better you get. There is just no substitution for seat time or practice. Um, yeah, talent will take you some places, but not very far. You have to get that seat time. And seat time comes at a very high cost. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember in Formula Mazda, test days costing upwards of $11,000 wow. a day. Wow. Right. And for that day that you are at the racetrack, you maybe get about an hour, two hours of on track time. You know, so that's just bonkers. You know, if in any other sport you want to be a, a, a basketball player or a football player, go down to the local park and practice. You know, it costs you nothing but time and, and sweat. Right. Um, in racing, it costs you time and sweat, but it also costs you a lot of money yeah. <laughs> as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I didn't come from a wealthy family, right? I mean, motorsports journalism, you know, does not uh, is not exactly the highest paying job <laughs> right. in the world. So I kind of had to do it on my own and I had to, you know, hustle 
to make it work. And, you know, one of the, you have to get creative at that point. Right. And one of the ways I got creative was to build a simulator for myself. And it was right about the time when racing games at that time were getting better and better and better and more and more useful as a training tool. Um, the problem that I had was that there was no hardware that really kind of Initially, my goals were to get in the right seating position and kind of make the visual system as immersive as possible within my budget, of course. Um, so I kind of worked with some of the engineers that I worked, you know, that I had on the racing team and kind of built myself a rig. Um, and, you know, it just got more and more and more elaborate um, as I kind of tried to make it more and more realistic. Um, and I was lucky in the sense that I had some. Uh, clients that were coaching clients I was coaching um, both at Bondurant and outside um, that w- kind of found out about my simulators and were like, oh, can you build me something like huh. that? Um, and uh, two of them were entrepreneurs themselves and, it, you know, made it essentially and it really encouraged me and mentored me through the process of starting a company. Oh, cool. And it really that turned into my, my day job, <laughs> you know, uh, um, and I put racing on the back burner um, and really just went full force into starting the company. And, and only recently have I been able to get back into racing, but in a, on an amateur level now. Okay. Which I got to tell you is a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah. you and, <laughs> you I, you and I were talking about that uh, before we started recording, kind mm-hmm. of uh, some of the stuff that you've been messing around with, with like yeah. lemons and Trump Car and, uh, yeah. you know, all that, all that stuff. And you were saying that that's, you know, that's the most fun that you've had. Uh, behind the wheel, really. Just the the whole experience is just great. Yeah. I mean, you know, professional level racing is definitely a lot of fun, Um, but it is really stressful and it is a lot of work. And I I mean, the reality of it is these days you spend 95% of your time finding money, right? (laughs) you know, and 5% of your time on your craft. Right. You know, it's... And... That's stressful. And even on track and at the track and, you know, doing the the whole driving thing, it's it's high pressure, you know, high stress scenario. And, you know, some people love that. And I did when I was younger, <laughs> you know, um, but it's amazing how much fun you can just go nowadays for a lot less money and just go play <laughs> you right. know, and enjoy yourself. So. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of opportunities out there for people now, too. I mean, yeah. you know, you have you have Trump Car, you have Lemons, you have AER, WRL, Lucky Dog, SCCA, NASA. Like, there's there's a lot of amateur organizations that are out there. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, there, there's a lot more people that are becoming involved. Uh, and actually, recently, there was an article that came out, I think, in Grassroots Motorsports talking about simulators. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just how simulators can make a large, a large difference. And, you know, from, from my experience today using some of your equipment, I mean, it's, it's really, really impressive what, you know, what you've been able to, you know, to build. Um, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about, you know, there, there's some rigs that are like three axis, four axis, five axis that, you know, don't, they're really impressive looking, but they don't really respond quite as quick or, or the way that you would expect them to. Mm. And, you know, having a system like yours that's almost instantaneous in its response is, is very impressive. And I, I think with more people getting into motorsports, there needs to be something like what you've created that's a lot more realistic for people to be able to practice on and, and things like that. Because you're, you're absolutely right. It does take a lot of money to get out and practice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's astonishing. Yeah, I mean... 
We really, I, I, when it was just me and the company was just me, you know, I am pretty OCD, as my wife loves to point out all the time. Um, and I'm really into racing. And I race anytime I get a chance, you know. So when I built the company and it got bigger and bigger and bigger, I surrounded myself with people that are exactly like me, mm -hmm. right? OCD guys really into racing and that are racing, right? Mm -hmm. Directly connected to racing in, somehow, in some way. Um, and I think that our product is a reflection of that, right? We obsess over the tiniest little things. We joke all the time that like 98% of the stuff that's on our simulators that we have just gone berserk over, a lot of our customers will never really understand. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but that's fine. You know, we build these things um, out of a passion. Um, and I think that... Um, the way our product feels, looks, you know, our whole process is really a function of who we are individually here and as a group and the company. And, you know, I mean, we're all racers here. We're all still racing. We have a company racing team, you know, where all the guys here down from the guys who sweep the floors to, you know, the HR department, you know, they can go out and race and see and feel it and understand it, you know? Yeah. And, and that's why our product is the way it is, is because we do it, you know, and we obsess over it. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, and, and from using the equipment, I mean, it, it's very apparent that you guys are, are just constantly tweaking, constantly, you know, making sure that everything's correct. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're, it doesn't seem like you're ever satisfied quite with, with what you've already created because you know that there's always something that you can improve upon a little bit. That's exactly so, it. And that's why we continue to develop and continue to push the boundaries. Right. Yeah. So, and part of that might be the fact that, you know, most people here are, are involved in racing and you're never quite happy with the lap that you just turned. Yeah. You know, it's always, oh, I could do this a little bit better. I could do this a little bit better. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's so funny. You mentioned that I was talking to uh, a student the other day that we were just happened to be coaching here and, and they get frustrated with a mistake they make on a lap. And I'm like, look, you know, the reality of racing is that it's, you never have the perfect lap. You never even have the perfect corner ever. There's right. always something you could, you've left on the table that you could do better the next time. And the sooner you realize that, the better. Yeah. And that's kind of the way we feel about the simulator is that it's never perfect. It's never good enough. It's just, you always push, Yeah, you know? And that's a racer's mentality, you know, is there's always something more, you know, let's just keep going. Even if the gains are tiny, let's just keep pushing for that, you know, last hundredth thousandth of a second. Right. You know, I mean, that's how it is with racing. Yeah. So, well, tell us a little bit about the, the system that you've developed, kind of how, how it's set up. I want to, you know, I want to go and take some video mm -hmm. so that we can show people, um, you know, after we, we finish recording. But for those listening, um, go ahead and explain to us a little bit about what the system comprises of. Okay. So it's, you know, primarily a uh, visual, audio, and haptic feedback simulator, right? So we have big immersive visual systems, you know, televisions, virtual reality, all sorts of stuff. We have really immersive audio systems as well, like 5.1, you know, surround sound systems, big, you know, sound systems, but also the haptic feedback system. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that too, people, too many people get caught up in the visual 
um, thing of a motion system and they're like, oh, it's motion or it's not motion. It's like, mm, you know, motion is one component of haptic feedback and it has to be done right, but there's so many other things. So our system is really a, a holistic approach to haptic or physical feedback. Um, so yes, the most visual part of that is the actuators on the back of the seat. You right. know? Um, and we found over testing and prototyping for almost a decade um, that the less mass you have to move, the quicker you can move it, thus the more fidelity you have in the motion system, mm -hmm. right? And if you're using a simulator as a training device, you need that fidelity. You need to know everything the car is doing. And uh, uh, the best way to kind of visualize that is um, if you've ever driven a cart and then you've ever driven a car, you can feel so much more in a in cart, cart and yeah. you feel more connected, Right. Whereas you drive a streetcar, for example, where things are bigger and heavier and it moves around, you know, yes, you can drive it, but you don't feel anywhere near as connected to the car as you did with a cart. Right. Right. Smaller, lighter, reacts faster. Right. So that's what our motion system is all about is being a, a high fidelity system that doesn't give you contrary motion. Right. Um, lots of people get caught up with the I have to be you know, the whole system has to move because that's how a car moves. And it's like, mm, you know, whenever you move that much mass, you really don't, you don't get that fidelity. You know, there's, there's never going to be a time where we can create sustained G, right? And, and that's not really important information, right? Pulling two Gs for a long time in a corner is, it's fun, mm -hmm. but that's not telling you what the car is doing. It's that sudden step that the car takes or that little patch that you went over or right. those little sensations that are really important. And with our lightweight system, you can really get all that detail. Yeah. Um, so that's just the motion system. Now we move on to the other haptic feedback devices. We do things like with seatbelt tensioners uh, that compress the seatbelt. Yeah, which was breaking. really, yeah, that was really cool by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you really get that braking feel. Uh, we have uh, a tactile transducer system that goes throughout the entire chassis. Everything you touch in the chassis is giving you haptic feedback. Um, and that gives you all the road texture, all the tire states from like threshold to lockup to lockup in dirt versus, you know, you can feel that and you can feel what side is locking up. Um, you have the uh, our high end force feedback uh, uh, system that we made for the steering, and and we make that. We don't, you know, find something off the shelf because right. nothing is really suitable off the shelf. Yeah, um, and it's a direct drive. Again, no nothing, no beer, uh, belts or gears getting in the way of all that little detail, um, and obviously a lot of power as well. Yeah, a lot, especially <laughs> like when I was driving the the Indy car. Yeah, you know, you said, hey, if you're gonna hit the wall, make sure you take your hands off the wheel because it will it will kick pretty hard. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> so. You know, and that's important, right? Because an IndyCar has a lot. I mean, talk to any in modern IndyCar driver, and they will tell you that they have the highest steering forces in racing, hmm. bar none. You know, it's incredible. So if you're going to use it as a training device, it's got to be accurate. Yeah. Um, and then we make our own pedal systems that are fully hydraulic. Um, they're basically a Tilton pedal set um, with our own electronics and hydraulic system behind it because nothing feels like a hydraulic pedal. Yeah. No, and that, yeah. that made a huge difference. You know, I, I kept being a little worried. I was, well, you saw when I first jumped on it, mm -hmm. you know, I was being real ginger on the brakes because I, I didn't, all, all the systems that I've driven in the past don't have that much feedback and that much feel. Yeah. So you really have to ease into it. And then all of a sudden there's just a point where it goes, oh, you're at, 
you know, 85% brake pedal yeah. pressure, like, oh, they're going to lock up. Yep. But this, like, after I got used to it, it was really easy to be able to modulate the brakes and, and be able to feel it out. It was very, very, very impressive. You know, and, and things like that, only people who've driven race cars would know what that should feel like, right? right. So how can you design something, you know, if you don't know what it should feel like? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and that's true of all of our haptic feedback devices, you know, you have to know what it should feel like before you can build the right one. Right. So it kind of reminds me of uh, like when when Guitar Hero first came out. You know, mm-hmm. I, I play the guitar um, and used to teach lessons and things like that. But I could never play it on like the easy mode or even the intermediate mode because mm-hmm. every time I heard a guitar note, my brain thought I had to be doing something. Mm-hmm. And so you have that experience. You can't play it on the on the easier settings. You need that feedback or when something's going on, your brain says, oh, I need to be doing something. Yep. And so I think it's the same thing with, with these simulators. You know, If you're used to driving a car, your brain's going, no, I, I need to be feeling this, or I need to be you know, looking for this. And now with the system like yours, it's possible for you to do. Yep. So that makes a, a huge, huge difference. Yeah. So it, it just has a, a very, very natural feel to it. You know, it took me a couple laps to get used to it. And even then, after spending like 30 minutes on the thing, I still wasn't quite there. Um, but, you know, I could definitely appreciate it and could really see how people can use it as a training tool, as, you know, inexpensive seat time, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, and the thing you brought up an interesting point, right? Getting used to it, right? Uh, a lot of that is... Uh, well, it's two things. We discussed this earlier is um, in a simulator, you have no fear of death, right? <laughs> right. If you if you were handed, you know, uh, a radical SR8, which you drove today on a track in real life, you would drive it quite conservatively for the first 10 laps. I bet you, <laughs> you know, right. And the reason is, is because you would have a healthy kind of fear and respect for that car before you started really getting in up to speed, right? The problem with a simulator is that you don't have that, <laughs> you know? So you will draw overdrive it. You know, if I took your telemetry from today versus the telemetry from the car, you would see a radical difference in the way that you... No were, pun intended, right? Yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, you would see a difference yeah. in the way that you approached it. Your throttle positions would be much more immediate in the sim. You know, your uh, brakes it would be later and harder almost immediately in the sim. And that's just because you don't have that fear of death. Yeah. You know? Like, ah, what do you have to lose? Exactly. Yeah. You know? So there is quite a bit of... A learning curve in that sense, and I think there always will be. Um, and, and it's just telling yourself, "Look, I have to treat this like a real car. I cannot treat this like a video game." Right? You know. Um, and and I, once after, you do that, yeah. After I started doing that, it's immediate like click into place. Yeah. You know. So it, you know, when I the first couple of laps, I was trying to push the braking zones a little bit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. As soon as I started realizing, hey, let's brake like before we even get to the first brake marker, yeah, and then be able to keep progressing through it and just which is exactly move up. what you would do in a real car, yeah. right? You yeah. wouldn't go right immediately in the first or second, even fourth lap, honestly, yeah. to what you know is the maximum brake marker for that car. You would never do that. You would inch right. your way up, right? You know, but in the sim, you're like, oh, I'm happy to take it right to the yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I started realizing, you know, if I 
the first couple laps, if I just didn't even look at the lap times at all and was just kind of like driving the car and just getting used to it, that made a big difference. And it, it taught me to be a lot more patient as yeah. well. Yeah. So what, what kind of things have you, from, from all of your experience with Sims, uh, what kind of things do you learn or have you seen people learn the most from Sims that you might not traditionally get just from spending all of your time driving a car? Like what are the, the biggest benefits that you can pick up from a Sim that you wouldn't even pick up when you're in a car? So one of the things you can do in a simulator is you can go to many different tracks and drive many different kinds of cars. And by doing that, you force your brain to learn new things quicker, right? Because in real life, you wouldn't be able to drive a Radical, a Porsche Cup car, and an Indy car, which you drove today, all mm -hmm. in one day. That right. Just, that would never happen, right? right? <laughs> you know? So your brain was like, oh, readapt, 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 like, you know, <laughs> immediately. So yeah. um, when you learn that way, you force your brain to learn things very quickly and you force your brain to kind of fall into this, okay, I'm being thrust into this new thing quickly. Where are my new reference points? Where are my new, you know, and what you're doing is you're teaching your brain to learn new things quickly, you know, and that is a great thing. Um, it, you know, people, tend to think that um, simulators are really good for learning a specific new track. Yes, you can do that in a simulator. But really what you want to teach your brain to do is learn any new track quickly. You yeah. know? And that whole process of, okay, first lap, I do these things. Second lap, I do these things. Like, for example, in the first lap, it's like, open my eyes as wide as possible, <laughs> get these sight pictures, right? What does turn one look like? Not just the turn itself, but what do the trees and the curbing leading up to turn one and all of those things, you know, try and burn those things into my memory as quickly as possible. You know, lap two, I'm going, okay, well, I think the brake markers are going to be here, so I'm going to start here because I'm going to, you know, be a little bit more cautious. Lap three, so on. Lap four, so, you know, like you're, you're developing this methodology of learning a new thing as quickly as possible and kind of compartmentalizing all that learning, right? Right. So, most people do it subconsciously. When we're coaching, we do it very consciously. We're like yeah. actually telling people, do these things, right? And if you do it, that learning process over and over and over and over again, it becomes the new normal for you, right? So that when you go to the real track, you automatically slip into that, you yeah. know? And that allows you to pick up new things very quickly. Same thing for a new car, right? Because you drove, you started with the Porsche Cup car, you went to the Radical, you went to the Indy car. You can feel those cars are so different from oh, each yeah. other. And the way you have to drive those cars is so different from each other that you learn how to adapt to a new car and a new way of driving for each car. And that is valuable information for your brain as well. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think the, the best thing that I ever did as a driver, aside from like maybe looking at doing sim stuff, mm -hmm. um, was being able to drive as many different cars as possible. You yep. know, I luckily we have a lot of listeners and I have a lot of friends that would be like, hey, man, you want to take my car out? Yep. Like, yeah, sure. So from front wheel drive stuff to rear wheel drive stuff to all wheel drive, like, 
even like driving two Civics back to back can be completely different. And yeah. just being able to adapt, you know, between between the two and and figure out the fine nuances of them all, um, really, I think is what what put me ahead of where I would have been. Yeah. So uh, if you can do the same thing with Sims, but on your own time, you know, you don't have to wait for your buddy to be like, hey, man, like, here, take my car. Yes. Uh, you know, you can do it just on your own. You could drive You could drive for two hours, three hours a night, driving multiple different cars and just getting used to it. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's just lapping. Now let's go racing online with real people that are really serious about racing. Now we bring in the whole racecraft. You know, it's new car, new track, new people. Yeah. All right. How do I judge the body language of that car and classify that type of driver and what I can and can't do around him, where I can and can't pass at this track with this type of car with that guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just build that library bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, I wonder if I'd ever get to the point where like SCCA or NASA will take like uh, iRacing wheel to wheel experience as. Uh, you know, as grounds for a, for very, a license. very, very soon. Yeah, that'd be yeah. that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, so. I mean, you're already seeing professional sim racers, and now you're seeing professional sim racers get offered rides in real cars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. So actually, uh, a friend of the show, Steve Doherty, won GT Academy back yep. in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, he's been on the show a couple times, and you know that's that's how he he went up. He he had some experience driving vehicles first, mm -hmm. but really saw that as an opportunity for him, uh, and just pursued it, and you know it got him somewhere. Yep. So you know, and that's that was not even to the extent of what you guys. Yeah, yeah. Have. Imagine, so, you know, with yeah. this knowledge base, what you could do. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, I think that's my biggest complaint and a lot of other people's complaints that, you know, do do a lot of track stuff and, and racing mm. is that the feedback was always missing a little bit from yeah. the systems that were out there. Um, so now that you can get, get the feedback and, you know, if you have the budget, get it in your own home. Yep. Or even even go to you know we were talking about some some simulator labs that you were, were yep. talking about that have been opening up around the country. Yeah, there's quite a few professional training centers now. Um, again, like anything with racing, it started in Europe first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, with places uh, like iZone um, and Base Performance in the UK. I mean, these are dedicated training facilities with high end simulators, race engineers, and coaches on staff available you know, for training. Um, and now you're seeing places like those open up in the U S. Um, we have some customers, uh, that are doing that with our equipment. Um, and there's some others with other equipment as well. Um, and they're springing up all over the place and it's becoming a real, a real accepted way of training. Yeah. And it has to be right. You know? Yeah. So not, not only from the driving aspect, but you were sharing with me some of the coaching tools yeah. that you guys have actually developed and that, that's what completely blew my mind. I, you know, I expected the simulators to be really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that you can actually pull data from them. Yeah. Um, and you were showing me that you guys actually have like a, a set of glasses where you can track where people's vision is at while they're driving the simulators and being able to overlay that with the data. And, you know, so you can have full on full on coaching tools. I mean, essentially, you're in the mind of the driver. Yeah. So it, that was just, that completely blew my mind. How, how did all of that come about? Well, I mean, you know, it, again, it comes from my background, right, in, in training as well. I mean, I remember when, when I was an instructor, you know, one of the things that you were 
constantly trying to drill home to people is you go where you look. Your right. hands will take you where you're yeah, looking. Your hands right? will follow your On eyes. On the most yeah. basic level. Yeah. Right? Um, so we're trying to get people to look further and further ahead, but we did, you know, we never had a way of knowing where they were really looking. I mean, one of the things, one of the little tricks that we used is if their hands were really busy, then they were probably looking very low, right? Because they were chasing where they wanted to be, right? Right. If their hands were nice and smooth, it was because they were looking very far through the corner, you know, and their hands would just automatically take them there. Um, but that goes even a step further as to where is your focus? What are you looking at? You know, with complicated steering wheels and data systems these days, you, you can easily get caught up in chasing your delta times and things like that on the steering wheel and yeah. not keeping up. You know, how many times at Le Mans have we seen, you know, a dro- an amateur driver in a slower car take out a prototype because he just didn't know he was there? He wasn't aware. He never looked in the mirrors. It was late at night, whatever, you know. They lost concentration for a bit. You know, there's so many reasons. It's because of where they were looking, you know. Right. Now we've developed tools that have taken the traditional data method, right, of of being able to get all the normal data channels. So we have MoTeC, Pi, you know, Cosworth, Atlas, um, and given that to the the engineers and instructors. But then we've added an eye tracking system on top of that. And that eye tracking system is just invaluable. Yeah. You know, I mean, to be able to literally know exactly and see it on a screen with a video and see a dot of where that person is looking is just amazing. And the data you can glean from that is not just now, not just how far you're looking ahead, but in a real race with real people, you know, how aware are you of the cars, not just in front of you, but behind you, you know, and yeah. are you looking at in your mirrors at the right time? Are you, you know, cause you don't want to be looking at your mirrors at the apex of a corner. That's a bad thing, yeah. you know? So to, to be, to be able to see where they're doing and then train that to the, you know, basically nudge them in the direction you want them to be in. And now the system's smart enough. I can tell you the millisecond that they lose concentration. I can physically, because our simulator is really physical, and mentally stress a student to the point where they lose concentration, any of them, even a professional. I can just put them in long enough, right? And I can tell you with a number, you know, of minutes that it takes for them to lose concentration for just a second Hmm. because the system can see it. They look up and to the right as you access the right side of your brain. And that's what happens when you lose concentration for just a second, even. So the system can just alert the, the, the coach. That's, that's when they lost it. Huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So and I, having that data is huge. Yeah. And not only that for the coach, but then to show the student in a very visual and easy to understand way, that is where you are looking. And this is where I'm looking, where you should be looking. Right. Right. Super simple. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think for, for that stuff, too, it, you know, for, for a driver, they need to approach it a certain way. It's not a mm-hmm. test, you know, but it's more training. Exactly. If you approach it as a test, you know, it's, it's never going to work out very no, well. No, no, Yeah. And that's the thing is, is now with those tools, then you can develop a training system that is like, okay, this is where you are. This is where you need to be. Let's work on pushing it further and further and further and further, right? And it's not something that's just going to, like a light switch where it just goes, oh, I'm suddenly looking far enough ahead. No. When you're really driving and you're stressed and you're in the heat of battle, you're going to fall back on what is uh, your muscle memory, essentially, you know, and do what you know best, right? Right. If we can push those boundaries little by little through repetition of training, 
you can push them to where they need to be, you know, step by step by step. And in a simulator, you can, you know, because of the there's no time or cost restraints, you can just do that as long as you like. Yeah. 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 I think that's that's one of the biggest benefits and why, you know, somebody might look at investing in, you know, one of your systems to mm-hmm. be able to have, you know, at their house or at their shop or, or wherever. Yeah. So the the seat time is invaluable. And really, it's very, very realistic seat time. Oh, yeah. I think that's, that's <laughs> what impressed me the most. You know, I, from, you know, from being able to drive the, the 991 cup car um, and then drive, you know, the Radical and then the IndyCar, they're all, they're all very finely tuned, too. They all, none of them responded the same. You know, the braking on, on them was a lot different, a lot different sensation. The steering was different. I mean, you guys have to spend thousands and thousands of hours fine-tuning each one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the simulator is like a race car, right? It needs to be set up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you can go forever. That's, that's Pandora's box right there. You know, as soon as you open that and start playing with setup, it just never ends. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So from all of your experience driving different vehicles, do you have a pretty good idea of where to baseline your simulator when, when a new vehicle comes out? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is done by us, but a lot of it is also done by our software partners as well. Okay. So um, it's a combination, you know, and it is a partnership. Um, we have to work very closely with our software partners to make sure that their data is correct, but to also make sure that our data is correct and that the two are really communicating on a very deep level, right? So we communicate with uh, our software partners' engines on a a really, really, really deep level. I mean, it's... uh, it's it's complicated. I could go into some really technical parts, but um, it's uh, the 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 harder you work at that integration, the better the final product would be. Right. Um, and and that is a lot of work on our side. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, you were you were showing me. You know, you have uh, a couple of different softwares that yeah. that it, it works pretty natively with. Yeah. Um, you know, you have iRacing, uh, now a set of Corsa, mm-hmm. uh, Dirt, I believe. Yep. Um, and, and Project, Project Cars. Cars. Yeah. yeah. So, which which we were talking when I first showed up, I was like, yeah, you know, I saw Project Cars and Lewis Hamilton's brother was, you know, they did a video. And you're like, yeah, we shot part of that here. Yep. Yeah, so that was, that was really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. So. And they do a lot of their um, software development from our office. Oh, really? So, uh, when they have professional race car drivers come in to validate their models, they have them come here, you know, to yeah. test and work here yeah. for that. So, and that's how like deep and closely we work with our software partners is, okay. is you know, to have them work on their products, on, you know, here in our facility. And that just makes our stuff better. So what's, <laughs> yeah. what's the reaction like from like a professional racer that's never been on a, a good simulator before hopping on one of yours? I mean, are their minds just blown? That, yeah, that usually. It, yeah, they're like, I <laughs> yeah. had no idea it could be this good. Yeah. Well, I mean, these days, um, I mean, when we first brought our products to market, that was definitely a, uh, a, a hurdle. <laughs> you know, yeah. co- convincing professional drivers that this could be used as a training tool, especially ours, right? Because they had usually been exposed to something that was being called a simulator, and they had kind of like gone, okay, well, that's what a simulator is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it took a lot of beating the pavement and really putting people in our sims and going, look, just drive it. <laughs> you know, just 
whatever you think you know what a simulator is, just drive ours, you know? Yeah. Um, but over a long period of time, you know, we now have become synonymous in the racing industry as the go-to, you know? Yeah. It's taken a lot to get to here, but, you know, yeah, you know, but just, there's been a lot of resistance, yeah. a lot, yeah. you know, because there are so many other companies putting products out there, calling them training simulators, and they get to that driver first, and now that's what that driver thinks that's what a training simulator is. Right. You know. So what I thought was really cool with yours was that, you know, you have a couple of different steering wheels on the wall, and we swapped them out when we yeah. went from, from the 911, from like a, you know, more GT car back to, a, you know, to an open wheel car. Um, but all that stuff is all hot swappable. So that was really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also, you know, you make it modular where you can have different shifters. Mm -hmm. So with like a sequential paddle or, you know, or a, or a gated box and, you know, the sky's essentially the limit. Yep. But the fact that you guys have, you know, put that extra thought into it going, you know, it doesn't make sense to be driving this car with paddle shifters. It would be an actual, you know, gated shifter mm -hmm. and things like that. Just the, the attention to detail there was very, very impressive. Thank you. So, and I know you were saying too that for for some of your like professional race teams or your very high end clients too, you do you do some custom stuff. Yeah, you know, like you'll you'll make their you know their steering wheel work with the system. Yep. Or you know use their seat and and things like that. Um, you're also telling me about a really cool like F1 car that you had done recently that was was pretty neat. Yeah, so. that was a cool project. That was a um, a client came to us with a, a real 2009 Williams FW31, a Formula One car, <laughs> right? This was Nico Rosberg's chassis at the beginning of the season. Wow. It still had a seat in it, everything. Wow. And Williams delivered it directly to us, um, and we worked really closely with Williams. And I got to say thank you to those guys. They really helped a lot on that project. Um, and they, the client asked us to convert it to a simulator. And it was a, a six-month-long project. And it was probably the most advanced Formula One simulator outside of um, what some of the teams have. Yeah. In fact, I, I know personally that it's better than even some of the teams have. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So is the car, did the car still have, like, the engine in it and everything? Or um, It was only missing the engine okay. and ECU. Okay. Everything else was in it. Transmission, okay. clutch, gears, uh, all wow. the electronics, his seat, you know, everything. Yeah. Um, so we basically had a spacer where the seat went. Um, we put, uh, we rebuilt the spacer to accommodate the PC and all the electronics pack. So it's still in that engine bay area. Um, and we replaced all the controls we used. We, uh, took the same steering wheel and changed a little bit of the electronics in it. And it is exactly that steering wheel now being used on it. We added our force feedback controls and stuff, same pedals, same everything. We tried to reuse as much as possible. Okay. Um, and we were pretty successful in that. Um, and like. It's fully functional. Like everything on that car works as this, as if it would have in real life. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. So and even you got the seat to work even inside, even with the constraints. That's, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and and we actually had to change the seat because, um, and I'll show it to you because I still have Nico's seat here. <laughs> uh, no one can fit in that seat. No, <laughs> you know? uh, he is tiny. <laughs> yeah. 
he must have the tiniest hips, I swear. <laughs> you know, it's probably from being in seats like that for, for most of his life. It's actually kept him from growing. Yeah, That's maybe what it so. Is. Yeah, it's, yeah. He's sitting in a seat like that so long, his body just won't go any bigger. <laughs> it's like those fish that grow to the size yeah. of their tank and become yeah. square. And yes. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is, man. He's just yeah. in seats so much. <laughs> yeah. So Actually, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, especially with simulator time and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. If you're spending... He's spending a couple hours a day testing or in a sim, yeah. you know, in a seat. I could, I could see it happening, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. It's an interesting science experiment. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, cool. Well, uh, we really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Um, you know, where, where can people find out more about, about CXC and about, you know, if a local simulator using CXC stuff is... Uh, you know, it's like a sim lab is opening up and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, all the normal channels. Our website is uh, www.cxcsimulations.com. Um, our Facebook page is a great place to find us as well. Uh, it's just Facebook front slash CXC Simulations. Um, but yeah, all the same places. We like to post stuff of all the time of, you know, what's going on in here, what's rolled in the doors, what's going out the doors. So you can see a lot about what we're doing on there. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to get back over here during some of your events and uh, and hang out a little bit. So, but really appreciate it, Chris. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right, cheers.